0: if i'm wrong but am i currently speaking to this year's ringo award winner
1: <laughs> yes yes i was amazed uh, and and flabbergasted uh, to get the ringo award for best humor webcomic
0: heck yeah you did heck yeah you did brad <laughs> geiger congratulations <laughs> my friend that is very yeah. well
1: deserved Thank you very much. Well, as you might imagine, I handled it in a very Brad Geiger manner. I uh, immediately went up and 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 started out with a very heartfelt uh, sentiment because it was really on my mind. Two days earlier, we had been at the NCS and we were talking about you know uh, blue sky dreams and stuff like that. And and I realized really this this uh, this was my dream was to yeah. just keep doing comics, and so I wanted to open with that. And uh, (laughs) I should probably mention it was two hours and 11 minutes into the awards ceremony. We had just gotten done with a speech from somebody who gave this long-winded, rambling, I won't name who it was, uh, long-winded, rambling speech that I turned to the guy sitting next to me and I said, this is the kind of speech you give just before the anesthesiologist tells you to count backwards from 100. (laughs) It was just, it was
0: long and and, and nothing made
2: sense.
0: (laughs) Can I just say, what is it that happens with a lot of cartoonists when you hand them a and they are the worst public speaker. It's yes. like, dear God, oh. have you spoken to a human in the last 365
1: days? It just it just went on and on and on. And of course, so half, of my, half the audience is drunk. The other half is, uh, you know, half asleep. And I get up there and I decide, as I start with this heartfelt thing, to throw in a little, uh, uh, like, one-liner that uh, is a little bit of a hand grenade joke. It takes a half of a beat to kind of, I get it right okay okay and i said and the joke is basically on my deathbed i'll say geez i wish i would have bought a regular bed right cute <laughs> okay. little joke okay yeah a bit of a hand grenade there's kind of like yeah a there three, is a you gotta pull the pin weight yep yep yeah and i tell this joke and there's a couple of chuckles in the audience and then nothing <laughs> <laughs> and i'm and I'm standing up there with the ringo award for best humor web comic and I tell this joke that just cups tells a, a, there's a couple chuckles and I sit there and you can see the flops what I was gonna go. say
0: whatever that happens to me and I do a joke on stage and it dies yeah. I you immediately get the armpits where like yeah just going it's just like like
1: like jet streams out of my armpits yeah. and then and then but but then like a, 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 then all of a sudden then that delayed last Came through right, and then because somebody out there, thank God, uh, understood what I was saying, and and it was like, yeah, and and I, I made the the uh, some kind of comment like, yes, that's some of that uh, uh, storied humor that you've been hearing so much about. You know? <laughs>
2: yeah, the fact that you were up for the humor <laughs> award and your joke didn't land is great. Oh God.
1: Uh, well, now, now wait a minute, wait a Isn't minute. What a let's, metaphor let's for life, though. It's not. That it, I'm telling you, Dave, it was a hand grenade joke. <laughs> Sure. Not a joke that didn't sure. work. it was a
0: hand grenade. You know what that was? That joke was the, you remember the person that they used to put behind Caesar or the conquering general when they would ride back into Rome at the end of a battle and the, yeah. and the person would just whisper, remember thou art mortal, remember thou art mortal. So you've just won the Ringo Award for best humor and that joke is behind you
2: going, remember you're not always funny, remember you're not always funny. <laughs> and on that note, I'm going to say hello, remember. And welcome to Comic Lab, the show about Brad's
1: humor and making comics. <laughs> and flopping on your face and making a living from comics. I'm Brad Geiger, the editor of webcomics.com and the cartoonist of
0: Evil, Inc. And I'm Miss pal Dave Kellogg, cartoonist of Drive and Sheldon and co-director of the documentary Strip. And this week's
1: Hour of Comics Advice is made possible by your support at patreon.com comiclab comic lab. So Dave, Dave. Let's
0: talk comics. Let's talk comics, my friend. Let's talk comics, in fact, with one of the most talented cartoonists we've ever met. Uh, let's fire up that third mic right now and welcome him onto the show.
1: Dave I'm so happy to uh, uh that we're finally getting this done today it is a really red letter day for Comic Lab uh we're gonna have a visit from uh one of my favorite uh, uh co-Philadelphia cartoonists one of my what do you what do you call that <laughs> another cartoonist in Philadelphia who I really admire uh Jamar Nicholas is with us today
3: yeah Jamar thank you for coming on Yo, what's going on? Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. I'm really excited. So
1: So a lot of you probably know Jamar from his super popular book that is out from Scholastic. It's called Leon the Extraordinary, and it's about a kid that lives in a uh, world in which there are superheroes and supervillains. He finds out, but he himself does not have any extraordinary powers, right? He's just he's just a regular kid. Yeah. And, uh, uh, something happens, uh, 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 a super villainish type, uh, uh, cataclysm happens. And he realizes that he's the one that needs to step up in a way that he's always wanted to. Uh, but all he's got is his own brains and his ability to uh, uh, handle this crisis. Uh, it's kind of like an everyday superhero kind of story featuring Leon. Uh, and
3: uh, I'm telling you, there's two books out now, right? Uh, yes, there's the, the, the old school book, the one I self-published back in 2017. And then the new number one is from the Scholastic Graphics Uh, series
1: nice and is 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 there a number two coming out soon
3: yes yes there is (laughs) oh Uh, fantastic uh, (laughs) is this a place where i could do the plug sure yes plug away (laughs) yeah so leon worst friends forever Uh is the second book in the series and that'll be out next year some next year
1: so you're working on it right now
3: yeah i just i just finished the inks on the cover
1: fantastic So you. now you've went from this is something that's kind of is near and dear to to Dave and mine heart. you you started out with uh, self-publishing and you pivoted into scholastic. Talk to us about that decision, how you made the decision, why you made the decision, and how it's been working out.
3: Oh, cool. Uh, well what's really interesting about, I think almost all of our stories is that we've all been around for a while. Yeah, Right. And, yeah. you know, I think that's one of the curses of getting old is like, you don't believe that you're old yeah. <laughs> and everybody yeah. else is just overreacting. Yeah. <laughs> but and, 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 uh, kind of looking back at it, like I came into the industry in 97. Wow. Uh,
1: oh, yeah, was
3: self-publishing and um, I've done, uh, I self-published my own comics. I have my own comic. Uh, so I guess you'll call it like your, uh, my boutique press. Um, I, I had an early foray into web comics. Um, I, I dabbled around in mainstream stuff a, re- a really tiny bit. And yeah. um, what was really cool about where I came from is I always just did my own stuff. Yeah. yeah. And, I, you know, I think we could all talk about how rare that is for somebody to get successful off of their own IP. Mm-hmm. When, right. You know, a lot of the people we came in with wanted to be Marvel guys or right. DC guys. So um, probably this might have been like in in the early aughts, I, I did a freelance gig. I illustrated a series of chapter books for Tokyo Pop. Mm. Oh, uh, okay. Called the called the Gross Adventures. It was about these two boys who solve their problems by farting. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> can, I, can I work blue? Can I? say that? oh hello? yeah, hello? yeah hello? absolutely,
2: yeah, absolutely.
3: <laughs> I so, and um, I didn't create this. You know, they brought me on to illustrate it, and um, uh, the writer Annie Auerbach was has this r- real story career of doing kids stuff. Like, you know, she's got like a million. Thomas the Tank Engine books and Bob the Builder and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And I got this assignment, and I was just like, this is so fun. Like, it was probably the first time I had fun doing somebody else's work. Yeah. Not to say it was easy, but it was just different. Uh, so it was a chapter book where I was doing kind of like chapter art, some spot art, and then there were spreads. There were comic book spreads in it. Because Tokyo Pop's idea was they were going to f- create a gateway drug to get kids into manga. So if we kind of do this hybrid chapter, you know, manga thing, maybe they'll come in and, you know, read all of our stuff later. Yeah. So I just had so much fun doing it. And that was like the first time I really thought hard about doing kids stuff. Uh, And from there, like I had created Leon as a offshoot of one of my Jamar Chronicles uh, Mm -hmm. books from way back in the day, but I never did anything with them. So in 2011, we did an early Kickstarter. And this is kind of like remember when yeah, Kickstarter barrier, started? Yeah, yeah. And, and you spent more time trying to tell people what Kickstarter was uh, than yes. actually <laughs> yeah, my project. <laughs> yeah. Right. So wait a minute. I give you my credit card. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs>
1: no,
3: I give you my credit card. Yeah, <laughs> you know that kind of thing. To um, so we did this early Kickstarter and it failed. We did it again. And then a lot of time passed. And for some reason, people don't like me talking about this part. Because, you know, we did this Kickstarter. It took me years to fulfill my part of it. It was kind of like a a group Kickstarter. And I finally got my act together and and, uh, got Leon Protector of the Playground Mm -hmm. out. So I fulfilled it to all the backers. I was very happy with that. I gave them more stuff. I felt so guilty for being so late. I put an extra 20 pages in the book. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just kind of overdid it, and then I think this is the most important piece of this. After I fulfilled that, and I've seen this with a lot of other people's stuff, and rather than just going, "Well, I did that," the people got their books. Let me do something else. I was like, "Well, let me run this down the street and see what happens with it." Yeah. So I took it on the road, and it might have been the right place at the right time, or maybe there was a lack of this kind of content in the comics, but people just Really glommed on to Leon, mm-hmm. and you know I would sell out my books, and I got to a point where I couldn't really sustain doing comic book conventions anymore because I just I didn't have enough. These are good problems, you yeah. guys, yeah yeah. yeah yeah, and I started feeling like, you know what, maybe I need to um broaden my horizons, and that's when I started uh, looking into. Uh, getting into traditional book publishing. And that's where the whole scholastic thing came from. I dropped, you know, I I left some stuff out, but that's kind of the genesis of it.
0: Well, one of the reasons why I think uh, it's fun to ask that question is, Brad and I, like you, find it uh, really empowering for a lot of cartoonists when they can self-publish, when they can do their own websites, when they can, you know, make their own magic in terms of helping their career get going and get started and then sustaining. But we've always said on the show that actually there is a unique kind of, of problem that a type of publisher like Scholastic solves in terms of reaching kids and, and through the parents that are actually making that purchase. Um, and I'm curious to hear from you who have walked both sides of that fence, is yeah. what kind of noticeable difference do you have in terms of libraries or, or school visits or parents in terms of being a book represented by graphics and Scholastic versus being self published? Dave, it's
3: giant. It's giant. And I don't want to cast a bad pall on self-publishing because I'm from that world. Sure, you know yeah, what I mean? sure, sure. But just like the name recognition alone kind of legitimizes me in the eyes of families. This just happened last weekend. We were in Baltimore and there's a lot of tire kicking that happens at the comic book yeah, convention, yeah, you know, especially with parents, like a family comes over and they're looking at me and they're looking at this and they're looking at, at the table and they'll go oh this is a scholastic book
1: <laughs> yeah and oh you they'll like
3: vocalize this... that huh you, you yeah. could hear it wow yeah the, and it's almost like this door opens yeah. like well okay then i you know this is good right you know, so right. and there's always that stigma that happens when you're self-publishing that and i'm sure we've all come across it where somebody doesn't feel like this is a real thing
1: yeah you right. know like right. okay
3: i'm holding it in my hand and I've actually had this happen. Somebody said to me back when I was still publishing, wow, this this feels like a real book.
2: <laughs> it's got paper or, and everything, yeah. Well, oh, right. yeah. yeah. the
3: ink's not rubbing off of my hands. Right, this, right. This, is, this, is, this is legit. And it's those kind of like really weird little columns that people check off in their head. Yeah. And, you know, for a long time, I would say things like, well, you know, ultimately we're all up against um, all of the mainstream stuff. So mm. I would say things like, "You may not really know that the name of this book is Leon. It's more, this isn't Flash, or right. not, not right. Batman is what right. you're holding in your hand." Right. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know. Well, so. can I can I jump us back because I I realize that we have missed a whole chunk of of your uh, life. Yeah. For me, third grade was I can I can definitely draw a line like that's when I got the cartooning bug and I was mm. I was drawn for friends and the laughter mm. meant so much to me. For mm. you, when did you first start going, you know what, I will show this to somebody or I will pass this around or what mm. What grade, what age was that for you when you were growing up?
3: Uh, it was like from the womb for me. I started really young <laughs> oh, really? and
0: I was... You know,
3: I love how everybody has these stories from their families about they were the smartest kid ever. Everybody's kid was the smartest kid in the world, <laughs> mm-hmm. and there were these stories that I uh, I was a really early reader. You know, like you know, oh he was like three or four and he read the newspaper. Yeah, he would read the Bible to grandma and I'm like, oh, okay, if you say so. <laughs> I don't know what happened to me after that because yeah. I don't feel that smart anymore, but. Um, I used to read the, the Sunday paper and the, the, the daily strips in Philly, the inquirer, and I fell in love with comic strips. I'm a comic strip guy, mm-hmm. um, less of a comic book guy that came later. And I just, I always wanted to be a cartoonist. So it started really early for me and just kind of, you know, being in control of a whole universe <laughs> seemed yeah. really enticing to yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: So here's my question. You know, our uh, audience is mostly people who make comics, right? Mm -hmm. I'd say 80, 90%. So Mm -hmm. they're not going to forgive me if I don't ask this question. What was the the process of you taking this from a self-published to a publisher? Did you, in other words, walk us through the steps? Do you have to get an agent? Do you start Mm -hmm. going to one after another, after another? Scholastic, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, is probably like the brass ring uh, for this kind of publishing and, and, and you're,
3: you're right there. So, uh, how, how'd you pull that off? So, uh, I, 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 started doing graphic novels maybe, I don't know, 15 something years ago. Uh, I was in the middle of this project where, uh, I adapted a memoir of, uh, this guy, Jeffrey Canada, uh, in right. 2009, so this book, Fist, Stick, Knife, Gun came out and it was like a giant thing. And this is kind of like 2009, 2010 graphic novels, which was yeah. more like, oh, can you do a fun home? Or yeah. is this like blankets? You know, right, and it wasn't, right, that, right. Was it. Yeah. that was kind of it. That was kind of it to a degree. Uh, so they were looking for, you know, oh, well, if this guy could do a graphic novel, then this will be on the New York Times list. Like that was the thinking, it was just that easy. Mm -hmm. Um, And they found out that it was not that easy, but um, I did this job and it was really one of those take it or leave it. And I found out a lot about the industry from being in this new uh, pool of water. Uh, It was just really funny. My editor uh, at the time, when i wrapped everything up, I turned in the final pages, everything was done, we're shaking hands. She sent me an email and said, just to let you know, I'm quitting the business.
0: <laughs>
3: she says, I'm going to go and study book law. I, all I can say to you is get an agent and have oh. a good life. And she and I never heard from her again. Wow. So from there, I realized I probably took a bath on that deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, so I was like, wow, OK. And uh, also around that time, uh, there was maybe a period when I was doing uh, comic book conventions, and you know you start to see new people kind of floating around Artist Alley. You know, Mm -hmm. they kind of they didn't look like fans, and maybe they work at Nick. You're not really sure who these people were, but uh, that was around a time where all of a sudden there were literary agents sniffing around comic book conventions. And uh, I became friendly with some of them. Some of them are still really uh, uh, good to me and friendly with me to this day. But uh, I kind of was wearing this self-publisher armor from all these years of getting kicked in the head. Mm -hmm. Maybe I should put this helmet on. So when these people showed up, I'm like, well, you know, what do they want? Because it seems like. What's their angle? What's up? It feels like low-hanging fruit. Like, Mm -hmm. let me just go to this thing and just snatch these people up. Yeah. Right. Because we kind of come from that world like, you know, the notice me senpai type.
1: Of yeah.
2: Energy. yeah. Yeah.
3: So, you know, beyond all that, I started learning more about literary agents and how that works. So I was fortunate enough in my case to be introduced to my agent. Um, and this is usually where the, the conversation turns a little bit, because people, you know, I know that probably one of the hardest things right now is a fine representation.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: It's like one of the hardest parts of all of this stuff. And people get like hundreds of of rejected query letters from agents. And in my case, um, that didn't happen to me, but I will say that it's almost like starting a relationship just because I was introduced to this person did not mean that it was gonna be a slam dunk. You know, maybe they didn't like me, I didn't like them, maybe it didn't fit, maybe I didn't have the right thing for them at that right time. Right. Nothing was guaranteed, I just got the intro. That was it. And I did, I did everything else, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, So, you know, off of the strength of that, I started realizing that, well, maybe um, there's something else out here. So all of the Scholastic stuff happened after a second pitch, because I had pitched, we had pitched Protector of the Playground after I had already finished the Kickstarter. And I learned that, In book publishing, they really don't want finished things. Yeah. They, and it's to our cartoonist brain, it's like, well, here I handed you a thing. It's done. Yeah. 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 It's it's done. Here you go. Just publish it. And they're like, ugh, you did it already. We, you know, and uh, that seems really kind of weird to telling, you know, telling people that and they don't get it. But, you know, from that, I realized that, okay, well, a big part of this is that they want to be able to kind of put their hands in it a little bit, mm-hmm. not necessarily right. tell, tell you it's wrong or right, or you're going the wrong direction, but there's some steering that happens right. and there's notes that happen. And that's where th- their value comes in. You know, they don't really just want to publish your thing, Neil Gaiman. right? Uh, you, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But, right. You know, maybe in his sense, that's different. But, um, so I, I came back around and uh, put together another packet and, uh, it turned into a it turned into a really big big smash. Uh, I wound up in a, a bidding war over nice. the over the rights for Leon. That's was, fantastic. That's thank great. You, yeah. There was Scholastic and maybe four other publishers. I won't put their names out. Heck yeah, uh, four
2: others? Wow. Fantastic. It, yeah, you were the you. bell of the ball. <laughs> the bell <laughs> of the ball. <laughs> She's shaped like a bell. Bell <laughs> of the ball. Um
3: and uh, what was really cool about this and this was all i feel due to having my representation i picked them yeah so it's not like you were it was like a contract where we're trying to you know bid on getting screwdrivers made for the air force you know and yeah. you take the lowest one i was like this is who i want to go with and the deal came together and here we are
0: that's great and that yeah. also speaks to uh, when you when you are able to find the right fit like that That's that's the kind of supportive environment that does get you to a book two and eventually to a book three and to a book four. So that's great. I am I'm legitimately happy for you that I wanted to say one thing too about for those that are um, maybe looking for an agent yourself. And we don't often talk about this on the show, but uh, this comes in from Dylan McConus, who recommends um, Jennifer Logram has a blog called Ask an Agent. And a lot of basic questions can be found there that you'll see for your own hunt and hopefully some kind of foot uh, footsteps to get you towards, uh, as Jamar was saying, find, you know, approaching and talking to and meeting and finding the right agent for you. So I just want to throw that out there for some people that are that are searching. And one thing, Jamar, you'll probably notice this, too. I used to joke with Brad about this. Whenever I would see executives from either TV networks or agents at a comic show, I would always say to Brad, you can know them by their shoes because the shoes are way nicer than anybody (laughs) that would normally be going to a comic con. I was like, that's an agent. That guy works for Nick. That guy works
2: for Nickelodeon. That guy works for Disney. It was so funny because you could always spot him by the shoes.
3: (laughs) Or they just came out of, out of, uh. Grand Central with the shoe shine. Yeah, yeah, you
2: yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, you do not belong at this comics convention. <laughs> you look like an adult.
1: <laughs> yeah, what are you doing here?
2: <laughs> Who lets you in yeah. here?
1: <laughs> so, uh, Jamar, uh, you're now uh, a member of uh, the what? What is it called? The board of the NCS, right? You're yes. a vice president. Third, uh, third
3: uh, vice president. Yeah. yeah. There's two and, other ones. And in, sp- and,
1: and in charge of, in charge of what? What's your, what's your area of? Uh, 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 Of that,
3: Well, we're still sussing all that out. But um, I think kind of what my deal is, is kind of more community engagement. Uh, I don't want to say recruitment, because that sounds like, you know, I have chick tracks or something like that. (laughs) But it's more like one of the things I do with the National Cartoonist Society. And I, I, I think you may have seen some of that is I've kind of taken what I've been doing on the Internet for a while, like interviews and live and podcasts and stuff like that Mm. and and turn the spotlight on the NCS members. So I've been doing this thing called Studio Visits where I do a quick 15-minute Q&A with a member. And I just, the last one I did was with Bill Plimpton uh, which was really came fantastic. out great, by the way. I highly recommend you, you go watch it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank
3: you. Uh, I realized that if you should take a drink every time I say fantastic, because <laughs> I said that way too much. <laughs> you know, but uh, no, it's been great, and uh, you know, that's you know, it's really a thing as as far as whatever they need, I'll try to help support and make it happen. But, um, you know, as far as a list of things that I'm responsible for, we haven't really gotten to all yeah. of that. But, you know, I have a I have a front facing thing at the NCS, which I'm really happy about.
1: Yeah. Right. And if you go to YouTube and just put in
0: NCS Studio Visit, it'll come right up. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, while we're doing station identification, while you're listening to us chat with Jamar, um, I'm going to spell this out for you in a second. But it's JamarNicholas.com is his main website. J A M A R N I C H O L A S dot com, or you can find him on Insta at uh, uh, same spelling Jamar underscore Nicholas underscore cartoonist. Hey, if you're listening while you work, take a minute to stand and stretch. And while you're doing that, we're going to tell you why you should join us on Patreon. When you do, you're going to get hours and hours of podcasts that we've recorded just for backers.
1: And exclusive Patreon posts that go even deeper on Comic Lab topics.
0: And access to our exclusive Discord server, which is a thriving community of professional cartoonists.
1: So you can support the show you love and get tons of actionable resources for
0: your own cartooning. And listen, if you can't swing a pledge this month, we get it. No worries.
1: Yeah, yeah, listen, you can still support the show by rating us wherever you get your
0: podcasts. Just leave a five-star review and a few kind words. That, along with mentions
1: on social media, is incredibly helpful.
0: Now, everybody, let's talk comics. So, Jamar, as long, along the lines of the NCS, um, because yeah. you and Brad both are kind of having a... Uh, uh, a, a spark this last year, I'd say year and a half with the NCS, where you're we're interested. But I would love to hear what you want out of the NCS, what you want it to be, what you what you have found that you love about it so far, but what you want to improve on.
3: Okay, that's a great question. And uh, as soon as the news came out that I'm on the board, all of a sudden, like the <laughs> like the floodgate opened up, and there's just like random cartoonists asking me questions, like, "Oh, I, I didn't even know we we're friends on Facebook. What can I do for you?"
1: <laughs>
3: and the question keeps coming up in different ways: is what can this thing do for me?
1: Right. It's right. very kind
3: of you know, I guess reflect. It's. Re- like the mirror is facing back to them. I paid money for this. What are you what are you going to do? Right. Yeah. Right. You know, and I've found out in my case that I'm just happy to be a part of this long-standing thing. Yeah. And then I also know that that this long-standing thing has a lot of road wear. There's some bald tires there. Mm-hmm. And if there's a place that I can help smooth out the road or maybe we can rotate the tires a little bit, I think everybody will benefit from it. So it's hard for me to answer that for somebody. It's like, I don't know, what, what do you want? I think is probably the thing I would say back to them. And then that, that causes a conversation or maybe even some reflection. Mm
0: -hmm. Um,
3: You know, it's a society, you know, it's, it's, you know, anytime you put together a bunch of people and you're paying dues, it's, That's exactly what you just did. You know what I mean? So there shouldn't be any surprises there. Yeah. You know, and also from the world I'm from, uh, my day jobs for my adult life, I always worked in higher education. So I was an admin and I ran art galleries and I know about administrative stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. Stuff costs money. Yeah. Resources cost money. You have to get people to do things and it's not free. You know what I mean? So kind of like how, I'm sorry, I'm rambling, but kind of like how college students go, I pay all this money. How come there's not better food in the cafeteria? Right. You know, you know what I mean? Right. right, I paid for for fish sticks. You owe me. Like, that's not how this works. (laughs) That's not really how this works. But, you know, I understand there's a question right now of like, well, what am I, what am I getting Yeah. And I think my answer is it's what you put into it. Mm hmm. It really is. And, you know, and again, uh, a, a thing for me is maybe this isn't for you. Right. Right. You know, and, right. you know, you'll never hear me out in the streets, like handing out pamphlets or ringing a, a cowbell. It's just like either you do or you don't. I'm cool with that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. it's really what you put into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what's nice. No, no, no. What's nice about it, though, is
0: that I feel like for the first time in a long time, the NCS has the potential for change for me, which is exciting because yeah. uh, not not that we're young, we're not, but I still feel kind of like young. And in that room, yeah. we are definitely the young we are ones. We're definitely young in that uh, room, and mm-hmm. so it's it's fun just to see, uh, like with the survey that went out this week about how we want to do the Rubens going forward, and so it just yeah. feels like people are considering like, hey, what's the best way we can do this going forward? We've all just yeah. come out of a pandemic. We've all been living on Zoom, but how will that change our life in terms of the Rubens and You know, what what do we need in our careers and what do we need in terms of uh, community? And uh, Mm -hmm. anyway, I just thought I just think it's an exciting time for it because it's the first time I've noticed in my life that there's change Mm -hmm. in the air with the NCS. So um... Uh and anyway and just to remind everybody it is a volunteer job so thank you Jamar for volunteering to do work for the NCS. You are yeah. you are legitimately you. awesome about that. <laughs> I
3: appreciate that. Yeah, it's just you know it's just like it, you you kind of have to uh, I just heard this really great quote. The grass isn't the grass isn't greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it. Ah,
0: yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Oh, I love that quote. Yeah. So well, let, me, let me let me ask you let me ask you this question, and this this will uh, this directly impacts because the the Kellett family has a copy of Leon in the house, and I want to ask you, how does a teacher or a librarian or um, uh, I guess a community leader, how do they get you into their facility for a signing? What's the, how do we recommend to our audience how they bring you to their school and such?
3: Uh, well, I, I'm part of the there's a Scholastic authors. Kind of, I guess, a bureau if you want to call it that. So, uh, probably the easiest thing is just to contact me, and then uh, if we can figure out exactly the what, when, why, why, and who, I can pass you on to my uh, contacts at Scholastic. That will kind of get everything set up. Okay. So there's there's already pages on one site on Scholastic that even spells out like how do you book an author? Yeah. You know, how does that work? Six months in advance, you should ask. This is how much they cost. They're not free, right? I, you know, it's all kind of there, and there's right. some forms to fill out, right? And then you know, we'll see if we can rock. You mm-hmm. know, it's it's, pre- it's pretty painless, and I do I love I love doing visits. It's great. How that's many great. of these
1: visits do you do in a in a given year? Like, is this a is this a big part of 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 what your career is headed towards now, or is it something that's building?
3: Brad, it's big. <laughs> uh, what, what I, well, what I've, I've and this is kind of like. My second year at it, but really like I just came out of my first period of doing school visits last May. And then right after I said I'm done, I wound up going to Nevada and Indiana the next two weeks is um, it. it, There's a balance. There's a balance. Like I want to serve these communities. I want uh, Leon to be in as many schools and libraries and community centers as I can. But I also have books to make. Right. Yeah. You, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like you have to figure out what your your balance is. But I do love it. I also have found out over just being in this new this new swimming pool that I'm in. There are a lot of authors who don't want to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to be left yeah. alone. They want right. to just do their next book and don't call me, you know, but I'll definitely do it if I can. So yeah. this is, I'm in my element right now, which is great.
0: Well, can I say from uh, from an outsider looking in outsider being outside of Scholastic looking in one reason why I'm excited for you is, again, not knowing personally, but just from my experience seeing with friends is that it feels like your life gets better and better and better as an author, the more this series goes. So like when book two, book three, like in terms of school visits, in terms of like the yeah. knock on effect within the scholastic family, once you have an established series, seems like that is definitely the way to go. I'm, do I do mm-hmm. I have that wrong as an assumption that that because it feels like that with other authors?
3: Well, no, I mean, and here a couple of things that I've learned along the way is that there's a lot of <laughs> I try to figure out a, a good way to say this. There's a lot of uh, uh, anticipation for things that you, but you don't know what's going to happen either way. It's like, Oh, you finally have a book out. When's the book birthday? That's exciting. New York times bestseller list. Whoa, slow down. Yeah. You know what I mean? And especially with, if it was a standalone book, then those things may be part of the conversation earlier, but a series is like you're running a marathon.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean?
3: So, and what's also really cool about that is, You know, from what I what I've seen, you don't see a lot of series wind up with all these award accolades because people are just waiting to see the next thing. And maybe it's when it's all together in a in a Mm slipcase that stuff happens. But every book you put out pulls up the other books on the list. You know what I mean? So. Uh, that's really exciting to me. So people who missed the Leon Extraordinary when Worst Friends Forever comes out, they'll probably put both of them in their shopping cart. Yeah, exactly, I mean?
0: exactly, yeah. Well, let me ask you one one question because it, this show goes out to pros, to pro-ams and amateur cartoonists. And so as as a, as a nice way to wrap up the bow for you, um, sure. I would love to hear your advice maybe for younger cartoonists, more amateur or pro-am cartoonists that are starting their journey what do you tend to advise younger cartoonists that are, that are getting going?
3: Uh, some things that I have, I've been talking about this a lot lately, you guys. The number one thing to me is sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And sacrifice you know isn't ever sexy. It sounds like you're giving something up to do something. And a lot of that in our world just comes down to your time. Like, what are you spending your time doing? Yeah, Uh, if you're, if you can quote me on everything that just happened in She-Hulk season one, that's a one-sided conversation because I don't watch it. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so there's that, and also be aware of resistance. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Stephen Pressfield, who put out this book called The War of Art, not the Art of War, Sun Tzu, The War of Art. And he talks a lot about resistance and resistance could show itself as well-meaning, significant others who are just concerned about you, Brad. You seem to like not be sleeping well. Well, you're always in that room. What are you doing?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah.
3: You know, and anything that kind of knocks you off course is resistance. So you have to be stubborn and kind of protect your dream.
0: That's fantastic advice. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I think Brad and I would both co-sign that. Do you think, Brad? Oh, yeah, a 100%. 100%.
1: That's, I, I was just thinking that sounds like a lot of stuff that I've said myself. <laughs> you know,
0: that those are a couple of
1: very common themes, yeah. you
0: know. So, yeah. Jamar, a huge thank you from both Brad and I for coming on today. I will Thank highly you. recommend the listeners go check out Leon the Extraordinary and uh, the next book roughly when would when would we see the next book do you think I I'm, no uh, pressure as a friend I'm not I'm just putting it out what do you think well, we'd see it, it
3: well it's out for
0: pre-order already so, Oh it is wow. okay uh, yeah, okay it's on
3: pre-order already and I think the date's Well then I won't put pressure on you how are you doing on those deadlines <laughs> <laughs> I'm gr- You know what? I'm great I'm living in my element man I yeah. you know I'm hitting these deadlines it's just oh another thing uh, uh, is in book publishing world, time is real long, and, yeah. you, know, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, in corollary for what we are used to doing. Like you print it, you put it out, there it is. Right. And here it's like, well, 12 months from now, the book will come out. Like, what? 12 yeah. months? Yeah. 12,
1: 12 months is an immense amount of time to get your head around, right? <laughs> yeah.
3: Right. And, and then when,
1: when the deadline's looming, that 12 months evaporates, right? Yeah. yeah. Like what happened?
3: so uh worst friends forever is slated to come out august 6 2024
0: august 6 2024 so it's it's already on pre-order that's great well then i will highly recommend folks get out there and pre-order and remember uh jamarnicholas.com is the website but over on insta it is jamar underscore nicholas underscore cartoonist thank you my friend for coming on and thank you again for volunteering for the ncs and thank you for being awesome that is a good thing to be in life
3: Oh, thank you, guys. Uh, uh, I love you guys a lot. And I'm excited. I'm excited for the future. Nothing is impossible.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Thank you so much for being on the show. This was great.
3: Thank you, guys. So, Dave, we've got a few updates
1: for
0: today's show, and you're going to start us off. I am indeed, my friend. I wanted to talk real quick, especially in light of the conversation with Jamar and the fact that the NCS is changing. I wanted to introduce everybody to the concept of Planck's principle. This is a scientific uh coming out of the, the sciences is basically is what i'm saying uh, it's a, It's an idea that scientific change does not occur because individual scientists have changed their mind right like oh brad you've ch- you've you've convinced me of string theory, so now i'm going to change my mind, right yeah, rather Planck's principle says that. It takes successive generations of scientists having different views. That's what moves the needle in terms of scientific change. So basically, my understanding of Planck's principle, and you tell me if it's wrong, is old people gotta die for real change to happen, is is basically what Planck is saying. Yeah. And and a little bit, I feel like that's why there's sort of this spring of new flowers and undergrowth of grass at the NCS is that yeah. I feel like everyone who very, very much came up in the traditional way of publishing yeah. is has passed on now. And now there's this whole other generation that sees the writing on the wall in terms of the changes for cartooning. And yeah. so the NCS is, is changing
1: well and 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 you can see that really from the top down with karen evans uh being the president jamar is uh on the board nick Selleck, another former guest of comic lad uh, is also on uh, the board and so you're going to see a lot of people at the top who are really kind of uh, not from that older generation that has all these preconceived notions who are uh, basically going to be taking a look at cartooning in general as an entirely different thing that the old guard did. And that that means that change is going to be inevitable with that yeah. group.
0: Yeah. And 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 we should know, too, uh, our peer Scott Kurtz is now running the Discord server for the NCS. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah. a whole it's a whole generational change. But I, do you think, Brad, cartoonists of your age or my age or Jamar's age, roughly all, you know, within a decade of each other? Yeah. Do you think when we become the old people in the room I would like to think that we would make the NCS more welcoming and door opening for younger cartoonists than we found for ourselves. Don't you think or would we do you think we'll become more crotchety as they were kind of by the time we're 60s, 70s, 80s? You see that story
1: play out time and time again throughout history, really, that everybody is uh, everybody tells themselves they're not going to turn into the cranky old man that that yelled at them uh, for cutting across the lawn right? And right. then they grow up and be, they become that crotchety old man. Take a look at the baby boomer generation, right? The, <laughs> they, they, they were very different as a as a generational group in, in their teenage and 20 years than the generational group they turned into later on. Right, and right. Uh, it, it just, it happens over and over and over again. So even though I would love to stand here and tell you that oh. I'm not going to have a bunch of old outdated notions that I keep trying to force on people. And I, and I really do honestly try to keep my, uh, my mind open. Uh, the truth is I don't think I'm any better than any of those other generations that came before me. And, uh, I think I'll probably end up being just as much of a jerk as everybody else was.
2: so everybody look forward to crotchety brad in 15 years oh
0: actually maybe yeah. we don't
2: have to wait i'll
0: just get into traffic with you and we'll see crotchety <laughs> yeah. brad um, i'm already there but I, I i'm trying to see what situation would make us be crotchety like okay yeah. the next generation the next uh generation of technology is probably going to yeah. be some version of the apple vision pro or the oculus or something ar ar uh supplemented reality you know what i mean mm. uh, uh well that's literally what ar is augmented reality but if a kid is making a great go of making ar comics that float in your living room why would right. i as a 70 year old dave kellett not want to get to know them and see what they're doing and like i feel like okay this is a bad example maybe but i feel like jim davis every time we've ever talked to him He's like tied into he's like, what are you yeah. guys doing? What's going on? What's what's happening with webcomics? Like, he right. reads stuff, he's following along, he knows, quietly supportive of all of it. Um, even was even quietly supportive of Garfield without Garfield, you know, which right. was uh, supremely cool. Um I want to be that kind of cartoonist. I don't want to be yeah. the 80-year-old that's like, get off my lawn. And I <laughs> I have to say, even though you think you will be crotchety, I don't think you will. I know your heart well enough to know that. Well, I don't think you will be a crotchety well, old listen, cartoonist. I'm going to try
1: really, really hard not to. It's just that I'm not, I, I, I'm also honest enough with myself to know that I'm not the first person to tell themselves that.
2: <laughs> you're right, you're right. You know what I mean? Is this, is this the pleasant fiction I'm telling myself? Yeah, that like, no, Oh I yes, mean,
1: David, it, you'll be I, wonderful. So how many people say, I'm not going to turn into my mother. I'm not going to turn into my father. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh my gosh, you're standing off to the side saying you are exactly turning into your mother. You, yeah. you don't even know that it's happening. You can't even, you, you could point it out to them, but they'll never see it, you know? So yeah, I'm going to try really hard. I think our biggest challenge, if we're being honest, was webtoons. That it, the the change that webtoons yeah. uh, brought presented to us. yeah, yeah, with yeah, yeah. with scrolling comics, and if you if if you read any appreciable amount of webtoons material, you see that it's not just uh, a certain number of panels that scroll either vertically or horizontally. Uh, they're, they're doing like, uh, the the time increments by how far you have to scroll there, there might be like three or four scrolls before you get to the next panel. And that's meant as a way to build narrative tension and so forth. And it's very, very different from how I approach comics. Even even if I post them out, like I do on my own website in a uh, vertical scroll, it's just panel after panel after panel. I'm not sitting there trying to make you wait for the next panel and 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 having little interstitial things floating down and all this. I, I'm not doing any of that. Uh, the, the, the most I'm willing to do is to put them into a scroll, you know. But if you take a look at what Webtoons has brought to comics, it's that sense of timing in between panels if you think about it what webtoons has brought to comics is it reimagined the gutter yeah instead of yes instead of just being a a dead yes yeah Instead of just being a dead area in between panels, Webtoons reimagined the gutter as a place where things happen, as a a part of the storytelling. Not just chopping up time, but being a part of time, stretching time, reducing time. And that's been a lot for me to get my head around. Like, I don't know that I'm ever going to do that. I can see it and I can appreciate it. That was the biggest challenge for me. Uh, at this point in, in my crotchetiness to look at that and say, yes, that's comics. Uh, at yeah. first I'm like, I hate this so much. I just want to see the next panel. Don't make me wait. I don't like scroll, 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 scroll. Oh, there's the panel. Great. Just, just get to the pan. It took me a long time to understand and to warm up to that and say, okay, yes, I, I get it. You, I, it's not me. It's not my flavor, but it's good ice cream. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's been the biggest challenge we've had uh, from for speaking on behalf of an entire generation is uh, Webtoons. Uh, and, and if we can do that, maybe we'll be able to swing with whatever coming next.
0: Whatever the next holographic presentation of comics yeah. becomes. Yeah, I, I like you. I, for me, the hardest thing to get used to was just switching a whole lifetime of admiration for a horizontal comic strip. Yeah. To yeah. just just adopting to vertical. That to me, yes. it honestly took me 5 years. So maybe you're right. Maybe I'm a little bit more in my stuck in my ways than I like to think that I am. Yeah. It took me 4 or 5 years to get used to it. But you're right. I like you now see the innovation that webtoons invests the gutter with meaning with place yeah. and with time in a way that we never did. And yet, like you, I will never adopt it because I'm always thinking of how will this work in print? How can I make this work in print? And so often I'm reading a webtoons going, this is brilliant on webtoons. How the hell are they going to make this into a book? You know, that kind of thing. Well, I'll tell you
1: how, uh, it's, it's, it's literally the polar opposite of us because at the Ringo awards, and I will say this, I will absolutely shout out for the Ringo awards. Uh, that they gave me a goodie bag at the Ringo awards. That was about 30 pounds of books. Oh, wow. It was, I I had to struggle to get it back up to the car in the, in the parking lot. Ladies and gentlemen, Brad is not a strong man. Yeah, no, no, not, (laughs) not a bruiser, not a bruiser, but, uh, but, but between that and a couple of stemless wine glasses that were marked with the Ringo logo and a bunch of little tchotchkes and stuff like that. Uh, the Ringos really make you feel like family. I, I gotta tell you, I'm not just saying this cause they gave me an award. Uh, but you know, if more people gave me awards, maybe I'd say nice things about you too, but, uh, it was, they made you feel like family. So I got 30 pounds of books and I'm putting them up on my bookshelf behind me. And there's uh, guess what, Dave print compilations of stuff that started out as webtoons. Okay. Right. It's the polar opposite of how you and I approach it. Uh, whereas we think in terms of the book, and then the web presence is retrofitted afterwards. It's the exact different. They have panels on the page. They're they're not put on there to be particularly an attractive page. There's no page design. It's just panels however many they can fit next page however many they can fit they're just plopping panels on a page and
0: uh, not for nothing their audience seems to be perfectly happy with it yeah I mean yes no there's no argument the Lore Olympus books even though I think like you that they're kind of fudged together especially the first one and two Mm -hmm. um, your audience loves it and doesn't care and it's just happy that there's a Lore Olympus book so uh, you're right however having said that You and I aren't poo-pooing it necessarily in the sense that I I want them to succeed. In an ecosystem of comics, I want them to thrive. And I think if in a weird sort of way, our careers are made better by the fact that very, very different webtoons exist that don't do what we do, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I I just like to think that that's different than the generations that came before us in cartooning that a little (sighs) bit were like, this is not how you make comics.
1: Well, listen, we're we're in a much better position than they were because we were an existential threat to them. That's true. Right. Right. You're right. We We were were
0: coming as their industry was dying. You're right. We were terrifying
1: to them. Let's face it. Yeah. Right? And everything yeah. not not us personally, but everything we represented. It's a little easier to be magnanimous when you're not being threatened, <laughs> you know, and, I, and, and, and it's so it's easy to say, hey, you're doing comics and it's a vertical scroll that's been retrofitted to fit into a print comic. I'm doing comics, doing exactly the opposite of that. We're all doing comics and that's great. And I I love you and uh, I hope you like me, too. But it's easier to be magnanimous when you're not
0: threatened. Yeah, no, you're yeah. very right. You're very right. Well, on that note, I'm going to switch this up and give Brad the, the floor for our second update. Uh, uh, Brad, you had an update about America's favorite supervillain has a new update for uh, for one of their software <laughs> <Yeah>. social media <laughs> as, platforms. Yes,
1: Lex, Lex Luthor has stepped up to the podium once again. And uh, as of this date in recording, uh, he is floating, clearly floating a trial balloon of putting all of Twitter, not just the premium, but all Twitter users. If you want to use Twitter, you have to pay a small subscription fee. Mm. All right. So uh, colloquially putting Twitter behind the paywall, Mm. uh, all users, if they want to use Twitter would have to become subscribers. And, uh, and of course has garnered exactly the response that you think it has, but even with that as a case, my question to you, Dave Kellett, is would you consider subscribing to Twitter? Uh, Elon Musk does make a fair point that it would go a long way, if not nearly all the way, to get rid of the bots and the uh, uh, the, the, the the players that are... Not in it for Twitter, right? It would it would take care of a lot of the bots and take care of a lot of the people who don't really want to be, uh, there, right? Or, are you know, they're drive-bys, right? Would you pay for Twitter if you let's say, like, right now the uh, premium is what eight dollars? So $4 a month, and, and I'm pulling that number out of the air, $4 a month, would you pay for Twitter?
0: Brad, I'm so glad you asked this question because uh, uh, I'm happy to report that I will be doubling down on Threads and Blue Sky and Instagram and leaving Twitter in the dust finally. Uh, I would, I, I cannot tell you how strongly I would not pay for Twitter I, I cannot tell you how strongly that reaction would be from me. Like <laughs> if, if there's a form of anti-dollar that would not in terms of that it would knock out <laughs> dollars from existence, that's yeah. what would happen. Uh, I, I kind of can't believe that you're stomaching this idea of paying for Twitter, because to me, honest to God, at this point, if you said um, what 20 steps could Musk have taken to slowly kill Twitter yeah. until... Uh, uh, pff, I, until it was dead in, in the water, this would be near the top of the final steps in my list that I would have made. Yeah, which is it, to kill Twitter's. Even if it was two dollars a month, it gets rid of the the free and open exchange of ideas. It gets rid of the the platform's approachability, friendliness. That I mean, it hasn't been friendly in years. But uh, no, no, I would but not pay hasn't for it. has been and friendly and in you years. You have the mistaken idea that this would get rid of bots. Are you telling me? That the Russian FSB or the Chinese state services or, or even mega corporations with their millions of dollars in ad budgets wouldn't pay for botnets? It would chop the numbers significantly down. Uh, yeah.
1: Significantly. Because right now, Twitter is awash with people that you know aren't people. You know, yeah. you, you get it, You get oh, a nasty yeah. comment from someone, you go to their profile and you see that it's all retweets. The, yeah, exactly. And it's a sea of, of just bile. And you know that this is not a person, this is, this, (laughs) this is a bot or, or this is a, what do you call that? An unfair player? Uh, you know, somebody who's clearly just somebody that is a Russian troll farm or something like this. Right. So I gotta be honest with you. I would consider paying for a limited time, uh, yeah, I would consider it. I would consider paying $4 a wow. month for Twitter. Wow! Uh, for, I would test it out for a quarter. I would do four, four months because, because, uh, number one, I never got happier than when I took comments off of my website. True. True. It took all the drive-bys out. True. If you wanted to talk to me, you could go to Patreon where, you could get in for as little well, as more $2 point, a month. If you
0: wanted to be mean to Brad or insult right. Brad or co- course correct Brad, you had to pay for it now. you know, Yeah. Yeah.
1: If you want to say something nasty, you got it. You got to pay. Yeah. Right. And then, then I'll laugh all the way to the bank. Uh, but I, I, once I built that uh, for lack of a better phrase, a walled garden, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. I did. I do most, if not all of my communication through that. Right. I, 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 with my fans, with my readers, most of it is either on the evil discord server, which you can only get to through Patreon or on mm-hmm. Patreon itself. Mm-hmm. I'll do a little bit of the interaction on social media, but of course, if somebody says something mean on social media, which by the way, Dave, I've officially arrived four days after my Ringo award, somebody posted something on social media, just, Filled with bio, what a terrible writer I am. How, how uh, what, what an awful person I am four days after, <laughs> after the Ringo Awards. Well, Award. to
0: be fair, now listen, Brad, to be fair, I would have posted it sooner, but I was busy in a couple days after the Ringo <laughs> I, awards. I, no, I, no, I,
1: I should have known it was you. All the, I, <laughs> I saw all those misspellings. I should have known. All the yeah. fake
2: smiles for six years of this podcast. Yeah. Boy, exactly. But, uh, but no,
1: I would, I I would consider it for, for I would try it out for four months uh, because I would, I would want to see if the engagement was better. I would want to see if the people that i was reaching were real people i would take a smaller twitter right now we've got twitter with with millions of users right right i would take twitter with hundreds of thousands of users who are actual people and a greatly reduced number of bots. I think, in fact, I'll say, I think you'd be making a mistake if you didn't stick around for a couple of months and at least try it out to see what it would be like, because listen, let's be honest. You're going to double down on threads and you're going to double down on, on, uh, on blue sky and you're going to well, Mastodon ain't it, but you're going to double down on all these other ones, right? Are you really, I, 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 maybe you're doing a better job than I am. Uh, I'm not getting a great amount of engagement on threads, a blue sky. I'm getting good engagement. In fact, I'm getting fairly good engagement. But then I will, when I look at my number of followers, that's not budging. I get engagement with no followers, which isn't exactly useful to me. Uh, none of these are great, but Twitter, at least I've got something that I've built for years and years and years. Uh, I've, I've got a better chance with that. I think you, I, I, would you not be making, would you not be curious no. for at least a month or two? What's it going to cost you? Four no. bucks to find out? Wouldn't you be curious about No.
0: I, whether no, you'd see I a better Twitter? I absolutely not. I'll tell you why. I yeah. already have one and a half feet out the door with Twitter just because Musk, it's such a, it's such a dumpster fire right now of, yeah. of, of hate speech and shit that I don't want on my Twitter feed. And it's, I'm, I've, I'm already down 10 to 20% of my, no, not 20%, 10, 10 to 12% of my pre-existing followers from when Musk took it over. Yeah. Um, and I just don't, I don't trust him in terms to making the right, he feels more erratic. He feels like, uh, I don't know. It feels like if you've had anyone in your life, that's um, going through substance problems, it feels like there we might be heading down that path. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's weird and erratic and, I'll tell you what, all the predictions that we made a year ago are coming to pass, which is he has he has opened the floodgates um, in terms of what was at least manageable censorship on Twitter to keeping hate speech down, right? So that's Mm -hmm. become just a dumpster fire, which in turn has chased away advertisers, which we also predicted, which in turn means that he cannot service the debt, which is clearly what's happening, which means he's now making panic moves to try to get any sort of income flow going that he can, which means charging for uh, Twitter access. This is exactly the flow that we thought was going to happen, and it's happening. And eventually, his debtors will take over and sell it on to Peter Thiel or somebody, and then mm-hmm. we'll have a new owner of Twitter. Uh, we we so we talked about this a year ago. We know where this path is going. You know.
1: Oh, I agree. I agree. I it, it's just I got I gotta be I I agree with everything you just said. Right. In fact, it, it, but. I gotta tell you when I heard that and I started thinking about it, my first thought was, I would be very tempted to stick around
0: for a couple of months to see what happens. Well, okay, I will say this. I too am very interested to test Twitter behind the paywall with your money, so yes, we're both in agreement on that <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, I, I'll spend, listen, honest to God, I'll spend four dollars to find out here's Here's my question, okay, all right, let's go down the road. sure it's four it's four months later. And yep. I've spent $16 to find out that actually engagement is up. Uh, followers are up because I'm actually reaching people who are people now. Uh, and I am very upbeat about it. Uh, I, 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 I'm not going to put a number to it, but I've said to you, things are better. I'm getting better engagement and my followers have ticked up significantly uh, by maybe 5%. Do you jump in on the fifth month and join me, uh, or are you still like,
0: nope? I'm morally against this. Uh, well, I'm both morally against this, but also from a practical standpoint, I know that your followers are not going to go up, and I'll tell you why. Right now, a third of your followers are bots. Yep. Okay. Okay. So I gotta, I've gotta, I've gotta re, I've gotta
1: replace them before it can go up. Is yeah. what you're saying? But
0: if your argument is okay, let's, let's concede that a third of your followers are bots. Yeah. Um, if you're telling me that, yeah, but my in real people numbers, yeah. I, if if say ten thousand followers, but seven thousand are real people, if you're saying yeah, but Dave, within a couple months I could have eight thousand real people, right? Yeah. I Having removed the bots, but I would still go up. I would concede that that might be possible, mm-hmm. but I just I don't I, I I can't do it, Brad. I can't do it. Also. I'm not paying for social media. The whole compact is I have to put up with a lot of bullshit and and ads being served to me. Um, I'm not paying for ads to be served to me and the algorithm to, to, if, if, if you're saying that in a paid for Twitter, I could have a natural feed without an algorithm uh, telling me what I was going to get. And I wasn't going to get ads. Then maybe I would consider it, but you know, that's not going to happen. He's desperate for every dollar he can get at this point. But
1: I do understand your argument. I do understand your argument. What what you just said to me, if I could rephrase it for you, is uh, social media, I don't like this because social media it, you'd be doing it differently than what it was when I was a kid and I don't like it. Therefore, if you're changing it <laughs> oh, because it's not the way it was me, when Geiger. I was a kid, don't, is no. that, isn't that what you just no. said? No, yes. no, <laughs> no. You said we've never paid for social media in the past. Well, okay, but now, now maybe we are. Is, is just the fact that it wasn't the way it was when you were a kid? Is that make it bad? Well,
2: hold on. This is different because in this scenario <laughs> with the NCS, it's not like Doctor Doom has taken over and <laughs> the NCS with money from with money from Qatar and the house of Saud to to, that is not even his own money uh so no this is not this is not no don't you do this to me this is not (laughs) damn you Brad Geiger no (laughs) oh
1: my gosh well listen if there's one thing that I can remind you of things that we did when we were younger I want to remind you of this for about six years we've been wrapping up every show by saying that you've been listening to the comic Lab, the show about making comics and making a living from comics, and I'm looking forward to saying it for another six more.
0: Absolutely my friend. Your hosts have been my uh my backstabbing friend Brad Geiger, who used <laughs> my right. own words against me. <laughs> even though he is the talented editor of webcomics.com and the amazing creator of Evil Inc. at evilcomic.com. And my close
1: personal friend, Dave, get off my lawn, Kellett, the, the co-director of the <laughs> comics documentary Strip, and the cartoonist of Sheldon at SheldonComics.com and Drive at DriveComic.com. And don't forget, check out that new Tales from the Drive. It is drawn beautifully by uh, Danielle Corsetto and written by one of your famous uh, favorite comic
0: artists. Boy, was that a Freudian slip that you used the word famous and, and by one of the most famous Ringo Award-winning cartoonists you know, Brad Geiger. No, but it's true. It's a delightful story. and You should actually go oh, check, I'm, check it I'm out so excited to over see at DriveComic.com every Tuesday. Uh, I will say a huge thank you and a shout-out to our friend Jamar over at JamarNicholas.com yes. or on Instagram at Jamar underscore Nicholas underscore cartoonist. Please go check out his work and Leon the Extraordinary out in bookstores and on Amazon right now. And I will say the Comic Lab theme song is used with permission from Andy Creighton at theworldrecord.net. And this episode was edited by the ever-wonderful Matt Woodard of Woodsong Productions over at www.woodsong.media. If you love
1: Comic Lab, you can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, and you may hear your review featured on a future episode like this one. Crystal W. 1997 writes... I came across this podcast by chance while searching for art podcasts. I'm working my way through the archive and I haven't been disappointed yet. Brad and Dave bring their 20 plus years of cartooning experience to every table, whether it's economics, the four C's of social media, humor, inspiration, dedication, sometimes hard to face facts or having pride and joy in your craft yourself guest speakers from a broad spectrum of specialties and walks of life frequent the show and share their experiences and expertise. Dave and Brad's friendships shine through sometimes when they're not, sometimes when they're not after each other. Dave's and friend Brad's friendships shine through at every point and make this show a delight to listen to.
2: That's wonderful. Thank you. Even though the gentle lie that that some friends don't backstab the other friends with their own words.
0: But we thank you, Crystal, for that. And I, I have to say, too, one of the delightful things about getting reviews on Apple Podcasts and yeah. uh, through other uh, formats. On uh, Spotify, you can do the stars, but you can't do the ratings. But anyway, one of the things that I love about kind reviews is the screen names that people chose for themselves when they were clearly younger, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. i love it when we'll get like ah, uh, you know comic lab is my favorite podcast i love it they're so great dave is so handsome and brad's there too and uh <laughs> i check in every week for the laughter the love and the joy of comics
2: Daenerys will always be my queen, 1998, you know. And you're like, all right, well, this was clearly picked when you were younger.
0: But I will say with a huge thank you for that very, very kind review, Comic Lab is made possible by your support on patreon.com slash comic lab. So we'll go ahead and say that twice, patreon.com slash comic lab. I got to say Brad continuing the tradition of of pride, a proud comic lab tradition that I think unfortunately I've done as well of using
2: our friends words against them within the same episode. Thank you so much, Brad for the warm and welcoming uh, uh, greeting you've given me as you kick my ass out the door this week for another edition of comic lab.